Welcome to Pharmacy View, technology and pharmacy business podcast series, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacists and key industry people within the Australian pharmacy and associated industry. In each podcast, we look to discuss aspects of pharmacy operation and how technology is improving or interacting with each guest's current role or pharmacy-related business. I'm your host, Scott Carpenter, and today's guest is sponsored by Shopfront Solutions, leading the way in digital marketing and communications providing a cloud-based platform for pharmacies to manage all of their digital messaging and print-based collateral. For more information on the Shopfront Solutions digital platform, simply go to the website at shopfrontsolutions.com.au. Welcome to Pharmacy View, technology and business podcast series, where I'm talking today with Norman Therick from Pitcher Partners. Welcome, Norman. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's been a while since we've seen each other, but uh, it's always good to kind of catch up with people that we've known, I guess, through, the, through our time in the pharmacy industry. Now, our association in the pharmacy industry goes back many years um, to your Johnson Rock days was when I think I first met you. But for anyone listening today that may not know your background, uh, who is Norman Thurrick? Thanks, Scott. Uh, well, for those listening, I'm uh, I'm an accountant by trade. I, I studied accounting at uh, Griffith Uni in Queensland and did some postgrad study at QUT. My first job, of all things, was actually working in another uh, accounting firm, but but focusing on a different retail trade. And um, then I I got my interest peaked in uh, pharmacy in uh, the early 2000s. Um, Johnson Rourke has been in the pharmacy industry for some time, 1986, and we've been focusing on pharmacy since then. Um, and as accountants, we look at the numbers, we do accounting and tax, but we look at the numbers and, and really try and analyse the detail and help our clients um, understand their business um, from a very uh, minute level and, and drive the profit and the cash flow in their business as best they can. And also focus on the strategic opportunities of each business, whether that be competitive advantage or location or whatever it might be. Uh, so we spend a lot of time looking at the data um, and as well as doing accounting and tax. From that perspective, sort of yeah. And look, interested. certainly, uh, yeah. I, I uh, continually watch um, you and a couple of your associates posts on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm probably not as active in pharmacy operations these days as I used to be, but it's always... Um, good to see some of the data and information that you put up and, and I know certainly pharmacists and industry people that have worked with you um, are very you know, find that information very valuable and I guess that's a good lead in too. Um, you've been doing this for some time now. Um, I'm not going to suggest that you started with pen and paper but you certainly will have used pen and paper for a period of time. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about the technology that's uh, is sitting behind what you're doing today. Yeah, I'm older than I look, I think, Scott. So, <laughs> okay. yeah, we, we, started on, we started on pen and paper. But, um, look, we, we've been using systems and processes in our business um, and for our clients for you know, the better part of 20, 25 years and trying to develop processes where we can consolidate the data on proprietary systems where we can actually create the benchmarks um, for, for our clients and the industry. And, and that's been really valuable for us to get an understanding of what's happened in history and, and what we think is going to actually happen in the future using you know, the information to hand and estimate what's going to, going to happen in the future. So those proprietary systems um, essentially is a cloud-based system that we've been using for many, many years. And, and of course, cloud-based systems have become really quite novel in the last sort of five years. Uh, they've taken over everything. Um, and, and 
but we've had our own cloud in, in situ for, for 20 odd years. That's allowed us to really own the data. And what, whilst our argument would be that it's always the pharmacists own the data, um, we've been able to consolidate that on a de-identified de basis and then, and then sort of give that back to them as quality information. That perspective, yeah. And, and again, from uh, my, I guess, interaction with you, yourself and your team, um, you're also able to break it down um, in terms of uh, geographic locations, states, metro versus regional brands, and, and even to a point uh, that the type of pharmacy, if it has a specialisation. Yeah, that's right. And, and you wouldn't think that they operate that differently, but they do. Not across every metric, but there's just some core metrics where each each pharmacy actually does operate a little bit differently. And, and to that extent, each owner will want to operate within their own demographic a little bit differently. So it gives a good sort of benchmark when you stratify, you know, the total cohort, but then break it down into whether it be location, brand, uh, turnover band, or um, or type of pharmacy, whether that be medical center or a shopping center or a strip uh, type location, because they do have um, idiosyncrasies. And, and, and we're all always compassionate to the fact that the owner does want to operate the business in their own fashion yeah. um, and, and have control of that outcome. Yeah, and look, I think from, um, again, our direction, a, a really good example of that would have been the uh, Tony Ferguson program initially in Terry White uh, Chemists, but then as they branched out into other pharmacies because the um, revenue opportunity for that specific weight loss program was quite significant for quite a few pharmacies, wasn't it? It changed the, the metric for quite a few pharmacies. Absolutely, and when we see that starting to happen, because we because we've we've used the proprietary systems and, and more recently Zero, we actually create our own um, uh, using an accounting term uh, chart of accounts, so that we can then pull out that sort of isolated revenue and start to report it separately. Because what happens is if you leave that stuff all in one uh, revenue uh, in the profit and loss, you sort of lose track of what's actually happening in the underlying business. So so when you start pulling out things like, you know, Tony Ferguson was a great example because it was just such an enormous category that took off in a really short period of time. But in more recent times, we've seen quite a lot of growth in um, uh, we saw high cost molecules come in. Yep. Um, they, they really took off in 2017, 18, uh, 19. They've come off a bit now, but they're still there in a lot of pharmacies. And the other ones, uh, there's a few other categories like facility packing. Um, and there's also uh, CPAP and sleep apnea type of categories that are big contributors to some pharmacies that we really want to pull out and isolate and understand what's happening within that category, but also what's happening in the balance of the business. Because what happened when, if we just again pick on Tony Ferguson, what happened with a lot of businesses is um, you know, it sort of took the focus off the rest of the business. We, we, we had this bright, shiny pink thing that was really creating a lot of activity in the pharmacy. And then the focus was lost off the balance of the business. And, and by reporting it differently or separately, you can actually pull it apart and say, hey, look what's happening over there in the rest of the business as it just sort of flattened out a little bit. Yeah. And I think the other one you raised there too was the facility packaging, um, because that's quite big now for, for quite a few pharmacies, either within their pharmacy or as a as a complete separate business entity, but because that, that would potentially really skew a dispensary numbers, wouldn't it? Yeah, it does. And, and the interesting thing about um, the facility packing is, and, and I advocate doing it um, because I think it's a fantastic community service for community pharmacy, but... What you've got to do is actually look at it with 
as a business within a business because it does operate differently in terms of the margins uh, that you get off that uh, script volume, um, the cost of operations, and that, that includes the area that it's provided in the pharmacy, um, the labour or robot, whatever you might be doing in the pharmacy, <coughs> and, and looking at that as a separate business unit and going, are we making enough out of that to justify or if we're not, how do we become more efficient? And I think the last probably two years and a little bit before that really has created this sort of um, efficiency concept in a yep. lot of businesses. I'm, I'm not talking about pharmacy, but pharmacy certainly involved. I mean, it's a matter of how we do effectively more with the same level of staff because staff are <laughs> a scarce commodity. Yep. Uh, or do we do the same level of turnover that we've currently got, but with less? Yeah, and how do you drive that efficiency? So it's more more turnover um, with same, or you, you do same turnover with uh, less stuff, and and it's a real efficiency model that we've got to look to, uh, and that and and within that comes the footprint of pharmacy, what that looks like in the next sort of five to ten years. Will it be as big as it is? Will it be smaller? Uh, what are people coming to pharmacy for, and how do we get that efficiency in the business? And that's how we use the numbers. Um, to tell us what's going on. And, yeah, and look, I think another good example of that on the reciprocal side of things, and and you've probably got better numbers now than I've. You know, I'm probably going back a few years now, but you know, there there was always this real emotional attachment to giftware and Christmas um, giftware, um, and reality mm. was that once we actually started to analyse it using the technology available. Um, as I said, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go back kind of four or five years for a period of 10 to 15 years was that, you know, it, it was something that you had to do, but the reality was you really weren't making a lot of money out of those those categories as such yeah. from the data, was it? <clears throat> yeah, that's right. And what we're finding more and more nowadays is that the, if I could use the term, um, the pharmacists that are traders that really know how to merchandise a category and really know how to market it and sell it within the pharmacy, they do really well at it. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the key uh, the key to the categories like that is uh, you can't just put it in and let it sit there. Yeah. Uh, and because you, you can see it in the numbers because you might get really good margin on the first 10 products, but the last 10 products you're probably um, selling out at a significant dif discount. Your average is, is just not good enough. Yeah. But we have a cohort of clients that are good traders for yep. one of a better word they can make that work but you've really got to understand the merchandising and the marketing marketing of it to make it work you can't just stop it and put it in the pharmacy and hope it sells yeah and um, I so it's a it's a whole solution solution yeah and and again I'll, I'll i guess i'll bring in a bit of my history here too is that um, uh, when i first started in pharmacy just on 20 years ago now we were just seeing the end of uh, photographic category um, in pharmacies, you know, with the, the digital yes. age was coming. So again, you know, technology is a wonderful thing. But um, I remember in that, uh, I'll call it the early 2000s, there were a lot of pharmacies out there that had photo um, developing um, kiosks, booths, and even the whole department stock they'd taken on the shop next door because it was quite big. Mm -hmm. And and the reality was that they were paying rent on this space, but now weren't getting the volume out of it or was re declining rapidly. And so it's a case yeah. of, well, I'm, I'm renting this space. What do I do with it? And because, as you said, the yes. trader mind in them is this, oh, let's do something you know, unique with it. Um, and, yeah. and we now know from, again, the, the technology access to the numbers is that some of those decisions weren't necessarily the best ones, although it, it probably kept some cash flow coming in to pay that additional rent. But over, I guess, then that yeah. next 10 years through until the year 2010, you, you saw pharmacy space in decline because they didn't necessarily need that. And, and it was interesting from my yeah. perspective that <clears throat> I often questioned 
myself and my team and and some pharmacists that uh, you know got to know me fairly well in terms of how I questioned was that you know why didn't we open up on health categories as opposed to going and finding something new and and the reality was that within the network you didn't need to carry big stocks of um, uh, OTC or pharmacy product because the supply chain was so good. So you could actually you know, replenish yes. almost on a daily basis. Whereas whereas yeah. something like a giftware department, you know, you bought once or twice a year and so you got this big dump of stock, created a bit of excitement in the pharmacy and then, and then it kind of went out from there. So it's a, it's a real yeah. uh, dichotomy, I probably is the right word here, is that, you know, which way do you go? But when your business is, uh, uh, sorry, when your business core is health, you know, why not focus on health? Because, again, I'm sure from a benchmark and a KPI perspective, you can talk to some of the numbers around the health categories. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, the supply chain's a really interesting space at the moment because you do have this, um, I, I agree, I mean, with those special um, times of the year like Christmas, Mother's Day, Father's Day, et cetera, you get those sort of one-off opportunities, but, but let's not um, lose sight of the fact that pharmacy is in the business of health. And, and historically, you know, the ability to actually order uh, a product, you know, today and have it in the pharmacy tomorrow has been an absolute luxury. Uh, of course, we can see in the numbers, though, um, as pharmacies do that, um, you end up with a really fast stock turn. And it's a really, it's a real balance to manage a business based on stock turn, right? So we might say, well, you know, Christmas stock sells once a year, uh, make sure that it's gone by the end of January and away you go. But, you know, the health the health categories are generally turning quite fast in pharmacy. You know, it might be between eight to twelve times. Yes. Now, the co the cost of that stock turn, though, is the staff involvement in ordering it and processing it and putting it on the shelf. So, this this luxury that we've had of of actually ordering every day and putting it on the shelves uh, is excellent in terms of we don't have to worry about um, carrying too much excess stock. But the cost of the staff engaged in the process is, is quite significant. Um, and then if you push that through to, well, a couple of times a month I can do a special buy, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for that as long as it's not taking too much time for the staff to engage in that process and then you've got to store it somewhere because every time you touch the stock, the discount that you got dissipates. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a really fine balance between taking advantage of this 24-hour uh, delivery system and, and holding the right level of stock. And so when, when we look at the business of pharmacy, you know, the outside of the staff issues that everyone has, uh, particularly at the moment because there's just a, a, a lack of supply for yeah. the work. The second biggest issue in pharmacy is is stock and stock management and, and how you actually do that efficiently and effectively, um, both for your business and also the customer. Um, because we see that generally, if you bulk up those health categories as best you can, depending on what state you're in and yep. how far forward of the dispensary they can be, of course, but if you can bulk those up and actually get the right um, skill in the staff and um, right strategy in store, uh, you will sell more. Uh, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that you'll actually get this um, increase in volume uh, through the pharmacy. Yeah, and I've, I've asked a couple of other pharmacists I've spoken to lately, and you're probably in a better position to tell me this. What's what's the current average dispensary front of shop ratios look like? Look, there's still about 70-30. Okay. Uh, there's not a significant change. Uh, it, it, it does vary from time to time. You know, obviously COVID was an interesting period uh -huh. where every, everything sort of went nuts uh, for a little while and, and 
clearly PPE and sanitizers sort of took over the retail categories. Yeah. But certainly the over the last 12 to 18 months, the level of compliance that we're seeing in the data around uh, compliance to medication, uh, therefore scripts, uh, script volumes holding up, um, and, and by default what's happening is we're seeing a significant shift of people coming out of the concession category into entitlement category in the script uh, analysis reports. You can see that. So, you know, if you go back to January 2020 when the government dropped the safety net threshold from 60 down to 48 scripts. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, the, the 2020 uh, financial year only had six months worth of it in it, but in 2021, we saw a significant increase. Most pharmacies probably getting 20 to 30% growth in their entitlement scripts, uh, probably at the expense of concessions. So that's really held up that volume of scripts uh, in the pharmacy, and retail's been there. Uh, ticking along, but again, dependent on location. Pharmacies in shopping centres or or locations that were impacted by um, uh, COVID, for yep. a better word, by um, exposure sites. Yeah. Um, you know, their retail really suffered. Uh, yeah. Because the the discretionary spend wasn't there. People weren't going to the pharmacy, and or during lockdown periods, depending on where pharmacies were around the country, peppered around the country. You know, people weren't going out. Yeah. So they weren't buying anything other than medication. Um, and I think that that's really highlighted to me in the last two years what the business of pharmacy is about as we look at the numbers, because I'm not sure how long it's going to take for those sales to return. Yeah. Um, because customers have had the ability now to go online um, or, or not do it, not, yep. not buy that product and shift their spend somewhere else. Um, and I don't think that we're out of the woods yet because Historically, what we've seen is with, with high energy prices, that, that's electricity, fuel, et cetera, et cetera, we have generally seen a softening in spending in pharmacies. So there's okay. a bit of a inverse correlation there as fuel prices go up, spending mm -hmm. goes down, and that's that inflationary effect that we're seeing in the press at the moment. And so, you know, the next 12 months is going to be really interesting, and we're working with a bunch of our clients um, using our, our monthly reporting service to say, okay, well, what, what's happening in the pharmacy here? Um, and, and how should we be adjusting stock levels, staff levels, um, marketing and so forth to understand how to capture as much as we can out of the customer to just lessen that softening um, that we think is going to happen over the next 12 months as, as, as the public purse is impacted. Yeah, and look, I, and again, you raise a couple of good points there and I'll go back to a couple of um, previous episodes with people. Um, Early on, I interviewed pharmacist Tim Shelton, who does a lot of work with Amazon clients, and uh, you know yes. this is kind of almost pre pre the the lockdowns, um, and you know the discussion there was around the Australian uh, logistics and delivery network, and uh, you know mm -hmm. um, Amazon will probably do okay, but but unless we Australia can actually get you know their delivery network up to scratch, then that's not going to happen. And then COVID hit, and then a whole lot of people wanted you know. Um, I remember Australia Post um, advertised that they were going to do uh, pharmacy delivery services, and I just thought in my mind, "Good luck with that. I can't even get my letters delivered on time. How are they going to do my?" And that's not a it's not a slur against Australia Post, by the way. Um, it's not what that's aimed at. It's just that we're not set up in Australia from a demographics and a geographic point of view to to easily um, deliver. And I was surprised, I guess. Christmas last year through until about two months ago that from a technology and a support point of view, deliveries seemed to go really, really well. But then we hit Father's Day yeah. this year and, it, and all hell broke loose. You know, we were, we were getting um, yeah. product delivered within two days, you know, delivered two days ago, but 
anything that I'd ordered you know, two months ago still hadn't been delivered. So, so that's that whole, uh, I guess, you know, will that drive people back to bricks and mortar? Will that drive yes. um, uh, pharmacy people back into their pharmacies? And, and I think the other thing I saw too was there's no doubt in my mind that if you were a large retail pharmacy in a mainstream shopping centre, you know, a Westfield, something like that, <clears throat> you, you potentially weren't getting the traffic. But what I did become aware yes. of is that if you're a pharmacy owner in a, in a mid-sized suburban shopping centre or even a standalone pharmacy, you still seem to be doing reasonably okay. Is, is that, or has that been the trend that you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, at the core of uh, at the core of community pharmacy, what that's really highlighting is that that top of the list for most customers is convenience. Yeah, it's getting in and out, a nice clean environment. It's speed and access. And so you you really the pharmacies that are in the most convenient locations are the ones that are winning, for want of a better word. Yeah, you know, I I really like Tim. I think he's got a really good perspective on on. Um, trade yep. uh, and, and the Amazon story is really interesting mm. and we in Australia look at it with a bit of fear and trepidation. Um, the, the one thing we've got here is a quite um, a, uh, an interesting spread of our demographic. You know, when you look in America and Europe where Amazon seems to go quite well, they've got quite densely populated areas. Correct. Uh, and we're sort of, we're, we're a lot more dispersed. Uh, you were talking about logistics. I mean, the online yep. thing is going to be there without a doubt. Um, will the penetration be as great as Europe and, and the US? Time will tell. But certainly the logistics here is just a completely different kettle of fish. Yeah. Well, and, again, I think... And I, I don't know if we'll get it right. <laughs> well, again, I'm, I'm sure you saw the news. You know, we were basically being told um, on the weekend that if you if you hadn't ordered it now, it was li- unlikely to get delivered. Although, yeah. uh, I, I did notice that um, you would still get delivery if you now took Express Post, which is obviously a, a, a yeah. premium service at a premium price. So, uh, so yeah, that's right. Um, you mentioned <laughs> exactly. before the the CPAP program, and uh, it's interesting. I'm releasing a podcast today with pharmacist Nada Mitri, who works for Pharma Programs. And and again, without yes. going into the specific program, what's the trend that you're seeing in terms of revenue from these ancillary health programs? Is is that growing? Is it is it stable? What, where do you see that heading? Yeah, it's definitely growing. Uh, those pharmacies that focus on it are doing a sensational job of identifying the customer, working with the customer, but it's not easy. Yep. You know, it's clear to me that they are putting the time, energy and effort into it. Um, some pharmacists have an absolute passion for it um, and, and are focused on it. And, and to be fair, the CPAP or sleep apnea category is is enormous. Yeah. Um, but, but part of the battle is actually identifying the customer and actually have them acknowledge the issue and then go and get the test. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of time in that and some 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 clients say, well, you know, that that's, you know, we don't have the time for that, I get that, but it's reflected in the margin that they get on the product at the other end. So you're not getting paid necessarily for your time yeah. up front, but it's the, it's the journey that you're taking the customer on and, you know, probably nine times out of ten, eight, nine times out of ten, you've got a customer for life there. Yes. Because, you you know, once they're in the in the program, for want of a better word, and they're on the solution, well, they've probably never had a better night's sleep. <laughs> yeah. And they're, and, they're, and they're thanking you for it. So, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity, but don't go into it thinking it's just product on a shelf. Uh, well, it probably ties back to that conversation we had a little bit earlier on around 
um, you know, it's the resource time allocated to it. But again, from a historical point of view, we probably wouldn't think twice. Sorry, no, we might think twice about getting involved in giftware and Christmas giftware, not really understanding the time and effort that a pharmacy assistant or a retail manager has to actually get involved with from that perspective. But if yeah. we go back to the what is the core health programs, there's quite substantial amounts of remuneration and revenue available today in these health programs and potentially more than than you might have got out of a Christmas giftware arena. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we speak to pharmacists all over the country and it's really interesting when we start asking questions about what services they have. And not only that, but what they charge for that service. Yeah. Because it's 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 got value. It's got real tangible value to the customer. And so, you know, I'm I'm a huge fan of actually justifying the value. Yep. And that that could be anything from twenty dollars to a hundred dollars. I I'm not fixed on any particular price point, but but it's valuing your time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a really interesting um, time at the moment. If you go into the supermarket, you know, the price of meat's almost doubled, and and fruit and veg is almost doubled. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not seeing that in pharmacy yet. The no. supply chain's probably under pressure, but, but not too many people are pushing their prices up. No. Uh, but yet supermarkets can do that. And I find that really interesting. They're not, they're not sort of shrinking their margins. No. Uh, they're, passing, they're passing that price increase through. So I think pharmacy's got to look at this, uh, this price mechanism and go, well, you know, I've got a value why, why I'm here. I'm yeah. here, I'm convenient. This is what I do. This is what I offer. The customer can get me uh, whenever they want. And that was probably highlighted at no better time in the last two years when pharmacy stayed open. Yes. You know, I went to the doctor uh, a month ago. I don't go to the doctor often, but, you know, the doctor's still triaging at the front door. Yeah. Yeah, when I, when I walk in the <laughs> pharmacy, I, I walk in, there's no triage, uh, you no. know. I'm, I'm not saying COVID, but, you know, you, you, there's no checks and balances, whereas the docs are still doing it, and yeah. it's, a bit in, it's been intense. Yeah. Even though we haven't even got a case here at the time in Queensland. It was yeah. just bizarre. So pharmacies, pharmacies really got to advocate for this, you know, value proposition in the community and that 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 frontline healthcare yeah, position. And, well, as you said before, you know, the, the the cost of doing business is going to rise in pharmacy as it is with any any other one because the uh, you know, uh, yeah. quality team members are a premium at the moment, and you're going to have to pay a little bit more to get yeah. the quality team members, or even retain a quality team member because you know people are chasing yeah. staff everywhere. The the cost of freight, cost of deliveries, cost of rent, electricity, like potentially, I, as you said, I, I'm yeah. seeing that in my bills here at home and with my business, so it must be happening in France yes. as well. Yeah, that's right. And wages are a really interesting topic because historically, you know, being accountants, we will focus on costs. Yes. Um, you can you can look at it as a cost for investment, right? So we measure we measure the the metric of wages, sales uh, to sales or to to gross profit. But we we also look at the number of full time equivalents in the business and say, okay, what's optimal here? And then we look at the cost of those full time equivalents. And what's been really evident over the last twelve months is that pharmacists are tired. And I'm really compassionate to that. Uh, you know, they wear lots of hats. You know, the customer facing, uh, their IT, their HR. That you know, they do a mm -hmm. lot of things. Um, and so, what's what's happening out there at the moment is, is in our view, um, it's okay to carry a little bit of slack on the roster because everyone's getting a bit tired. Yeah. And everyone needs a little bit of um, a little bit of a break. Um, so there's moments in time, like at the moment, where you go, well, you know, the compensation for um, 
what what's happened over the last two years is we've just got a runway just just a little bit fatter for the next sort of six to twelve months, and hopefully keep the customer engaged. Because if we run them too lean, blow the team up, team up, really the business is not not going to work. Work, yeah. Uh, Norman, yeah. as I mentioned to you, time here goes very quickly and, and we're coming to the end of our time, but there was one question I did want to yes. ask before we ended um, and also give you an opportunity if there was anything else on your list, but um, I would imagine about now <clears throat> the COVID vax payments will be hitting um, pharmacies' bank accounts, um, if, I, if my timing's right. So, so we've, we've done this big round of vaccinations, uh, we've submitted our claims or we've processed the claims and the money's now probably hitting the banks. Um, any words of advice, guidance on, on that for pharmacists? Yeah, absolutely. Does the payment represent, uh, or is it justified compared to what the doctor's getting? Uh, probably not. Uh, will you make money out of it? Uh, yeah, you'll make money out of it. Uh, will you make a profit out of it? Probably not. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't go into it with the view that you're going to make uh, lots and lots of profit out of it. Um, is it going to compensate for the time, energy and effort? Yes, but it's going to be fairly profit neutral, I would have thought, unless you're picking up the total customer journey. Yeah. And and that's great. That's great if you've already got the customer. Uh, if if the customer is new to pharmacy, it's really hard and you're going to have to work with that customer to try and make them sticky. Uh, we can see that in some pharmacies doing it really well. We can see their customer growth month on month, um, and some are really struggling with that. Yeah. Um, and, and it's it's people dependent. That's a that's the people part of the business. So so in other words, if I if I've read between the lines, there you might have a whole lot of cash in the bank, but be careful because you've probably already spent it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And again, to to the point where I started, you know, show that separately in profit loss. Actually understand that revenue stream, what you're getting, don't just wash it in with other income, you know. Actually analyse the business because the cohort of clients that we have using our monthly um, pharmacy CFO program are the better performing cohort. Yeah. That because they're looking at the numbers every month, they're looking at benchmark reports, they understand how much they're getting from um, COVAX payments, they're understanding how much they're getting in the PPI income, they're understanding what the cost of labour is against that, they're understanding all these other um, opportunities in the pharmacy. And, and look, I haven't never come across a pharmacy without an opportunity. Yep. They've all got opportunities in them of some, of some sort. And it's not until you start looking at the numbers that you find them. Um, so every pharmacy is an opportunity, but but to be um, better than average, you've got to start somewhere. That's it. Yeah, Norman. I'll um, yeah. as I do with all of my guests, I'll include your LinkedIn and website details in the show notes so that people can get in contact with you. Um, uh, was there anything else on your list that you wanted to cover off before we wrap up? No, it's been great chatting to you, Scott. Really uh, good conversation, and I appreciate the opportunity and uh, always like listening to your uh, podcast series. <laughs> no so thank you. Thanks very much. Great to chat with you, Norman. Thanks for your time today. That's great. Thanks, Scott. Thank you for listening today. Pharmacy View is a technology-focused podcast provided by Melbourne-based business Arian Technologies and Shopfront Solutions. Over the podcast series, our guests include pharmacists, retail managers, wholesalers, suppliers, and industry technology partners. If you would like further information on our podcast series or to participate in one of our episodes, feel free to send me a message or touch base through the Pharmacy View website, pharmacyview.com.au.